Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Lay Film. My name is Kevin. I am one of the co-hosts of this here podcast, coming to you live for us, but not for you. Um, with me today, we have... Patrick. And Richie. And it's been a while. I feel like we say that a lot when it comes <laughs> to like recording. Um, anyways, if you're a first-time listener, this is... This podcast, we try to uh, pick out movies that seem interesting to us that might not, or that might fly under the radar a bit, uh, just to draw some more attention to it. And we actually have a pretty unique experience, at least for this episode. Uh, Tyler wasn't able to make it with us today, um, but Richie, Pat, and I all went to see Memoria, uh, the newest film by. Ipichat Pong We're Aesthetical, uh, who uh, paired up with Tilda Swinton, a very incor- incor- <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to mash together extraordinary and uh, incredible uh, actor. And yeah, we went to the theater, and now we're back at my place. And yeah. Would- yeah. It's been a while since we've done in person, because we've been doing it on Discord. So, this is almost like restarting again. (laughs) And I miss it. I do not like Discord recording for our film episodes. Our little series episodes, I think it works good. It's easier than driving out and hanging out. But yeah, this is a... Much like seeing movies in theaters, it's better in person than at home. I definitely agree. Especially, um... Like, just because, like, we could pick up off of uh, each other's body language. Oh, like, yeah. we don't... I feel like I'm constantly, like, interrupting people on Discord <laughs> and stuff. Like, I'm, like, I, like, try to wait, like, a few seconds before I say something, and then, like, I immediately cut somebody off. Oh. That's that's where I Google afterwards, like, am I neurodivergent for not knowing when to speak? <laughs> 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 or, or when not to? <laughs> I thought you were talking about uh, body language in the theater. Oh, in the theater. Yeah. Mm. I kept putting my hand on your guys' thighs, and you were not receptive. <laughs> no. Oh, but, is that what that was? No, nah, yeah, it was just us having a good time. But uh, <laughs> oh, so that's your version of a good time, man. <laughs> hey, in the, the in the in the cineplex with my boys, yes, please. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm not I'm not so very good at picking up like social cues uh, in a theater. I'm just like glued to the screen, and I'm like, I don't want it to be weird if I just like look over and be like. Did you see that? Like, I don't want to be, like, distracting when I watch a movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we got, like, popcorn, you and I, Pat. And, like, oh, yeah. in the fucking very beginning of the movie, they they show, um, I want to say, like, close to five minutes. Yeah. Five, five to ten minutes of just complete silence. Still photos. Uh, purposely, like, they, they make mm-hmm. a disclaimer. Yeah, showing um, the director's <laughs> photos from the set, as well as with uh, little journal entries and doodles. And... Like, I was, like, digging into that popcorn, like... <laughs> no, yeah, every kernel was like, oh my god, when someone's gonna come up and punch me. Dude, I came late, so I was wondering, like, when I was watching those stills, like, did I miss something from the very beginning? Because <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. And then, uh, I, had, I had a big popcorn, and when Richie sat down, I, like, the second dialogue started, I was like, oh, okay, I can move now, and I'm like, you want popcorn? <laughs> Like, while there's, like, yeah, the first four lines of the movie, I, I just missed them. So I was, like, <laughs> gesturing, like, here, you got some popcorn. 
yeah, it was, it, it was a great experience to be back. Uh, I gotta do a... What's what's the word? What's an intimidating finger crack? Mm. Um, those old ladies who kept talking in the back left. I was like, let me pop my, let me let me crack my knuckles real quick and let them know it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> they don't stop. Bit of the old knuckle sandwich. <laughs> but they did stop when they heard the loud crack, and then I was like, oh, why did I do that? Out of like nervousness. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the guy to the left of me, he kept tapping his foot. It was like. Okay, I didn't even hear him. So. Oh, but wow. it, there was, it was like rhythmic, so it was like really distracting to me. <laughs> and, and I was like, and this was the last day that this movie's been playing at this specific theater that we went to. Dude, they and played it on the the huge auditorium too. They did like the big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh number, man. Uh, the I think one yeah auditorium number one is the is the yeah, biggest it's a sm- one. Oh, it's the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. the other nice. ones are the small ones. I was like, wow. But yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, when I, from my understanding, this movie is only going to exist in theaters for the duration of its lifetime, at least in the states. Um, like I was reading an article on Collider today just to make sure that what I heard is true, and it was from back in like January. So who knows if it's changed? But um, yeah, Neon, the <laughs> the distributor who also completely interrupted the. Uh, the opening sequence of it, like, because the dead silence, it does, like, such a unique thing of, like, it's, like, palate cleansing. Because, you know, you come out of the busy street with, like, horns, like, cars driving by, like, just the the noises of wherever you are. And then you come into this quiet city where you're, like, huddled up with, like, who knows how many people staring at a screen <laughs> in darkness. And then, yeah, it does, like, something unique so that way when, like, the sound does come in, it adds, like, a whole other, like, a newfound appreciation to it. And like with the intensity, but um, anyways, uh, yeah, Neon completely like opened up like uh, after that with like their opener. I was like, and yeah. then it just went like complete back down to quietness <laughs> afterwards. But uh, they are planning on only showing like basically having a film tour of this movie for the duration of the movie's lifetime, like just having it pop up in random cities, and then that's it. Uh, they did say, however, that in, I want to say Europe, Mubi, since they own it over there, they're just doing a normal release and like, they're probably going to have it on their app maybe. But I was like, what, what are both of your thoughts on that kind of a release process of having a very limited runtime, but having where you can only access it in theaters? I think coming from Neon, maybe that was more of a business decision on this movie because like I'm just wondering how did they even market this movie like the whole time I'm watching I went in cold so I didn't watch a trailer or anything so when I was watching those stills and then the movie started I was wondering to myself like oh yeah I don't even have no idea what this movie's about I'm so I'd imagine that's I think it playing exclusively in theaters is I think a really great thing for it but um, yeah, I don't know. Like, this is a different kind of experience of a movie, though. Like, I think somebody walked out in front of us, like left. I think one of um, yeah, this old lady, like she just got up and left. I, I don't know if she was going to the bathroom or not, but she never came back. So, um, I'd imagine, yeah, if if I was watching a movie of, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe like the casual viewer if they were to just see these stills for like five minutes and they're like wait I came to pay for a movie where people talk 
I, I don't know. And then, yeah, I'd imagine people leaving in like five, ten minutes. But the theatrical thing, I think that's a really cool thing. I think that, um, I think it works for this kind of movie. I don't know. What about you, Pat? Uh, I think reflecting on its limited release and the opening of the film, it gave me like a, a one of probably two or three existential crises in the film. Because the film opens, uh, along with the notes and a lot of silence, there's a jarring sound early on. And I remember thinking, like, that was awesome. It totally got me. And then, uh, like, the rest of the scene, I was waiting for it to come back. And then as the narrative kind of sets itself up, and, like, how the, the character's on the pursuit for that sound again, I was sitting there like, oh, it's like this limited release. It's like a... Yeah, it's like a, that little sound at the start. I was like, oh, is this like a thing about the movie? How it's only released and shown in theaters and you gotta go and see it and be in a group of people and you all jump when that sound happens. <laughs> and then, I, yeah, I was like, I want to hear that sound again. I want to, you know, I was sitting there in the theater like, oh man, this isn't going to get released. I can't come back to that opening scene and watch it again because it just happened. And then I was like, oh, that's like life. That's like me living right now. And then <laughs> it's just... So yeah, it gave me a little spiral. I, I love the idea. Uh, it really hammers home <laughs> that the he's doing it for the love of whatever he's doing in, with this film versus commercial success or marketing options. It uh, gives artistic merit. But uh, I think Kevin said it may be on Mubi. Might be on Mubi. In Europe. Mm -hmm. So just get a VPN? Yeah, I will get a copy. Once <laughs> <laughs> someone's kind enough to put it online, I'll find it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, oh, so it wouldn't even go to Criterion? I don't know, because I, I want to say that Criterion has, is mainly like a US-based company. Mm. And since Neon owns the rights, or from, like I said, my understanding, I could be wrong, um, that Neon owns the rights to it in the US. And they... As far as I know, do not plan on releasing it physically or streaming. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you you either have to be in the right city at the right time in the right, right place in order to witness it. And um, the way that they put it in the article was that it's kind of like similar to the philosophical argument of uh, if a tree falls in the woods, did it really even fall? Um, and so, did the sound really happen? Exactly, it could have <laughs> all been in our mind. Yeah. That was <laughs> But that's like, like, there's so many unique things that are like explored in this movie, and um, I mean, just like, uh, there's there's also a bit of like a theatrical element to it, like not you know aside from the name, you know, movie theater, um, there's like a lot of uh, you know the the notion why anyone goes to see like a live play or like a musical or something like that, it's because it's like it's it's like a spontaneous combustion like occurring over the span of like an hour or two. And then that's it. You never get to repeat that same exact uh, rendition of it ever again. Like, it's just lost to time, but held in your memory. Uh, and this movie has is, like, trying to, like, play off of that. Or at least with the release, it's it's playing off of that. So I guess that, yeah, it's it makes me have, like, a new relationship with it. Because like you were saying, Pat, like, there's that pivotal sound. And, like, there's so many little moments sprinkled out throughout this. And I'm like... 
oh, I can't just, like, rewind and, like, go back and, like, see this. And, oh, there's no subtitles. Oh, if I miss that bit of dialogue, like, I had no idea what they said. Like, I will never be able to go back unless I watch it in theaters again. And I'm like, shit, like you said, that is life. Like, you, life is one big FOMO party. Because, <laughs> like, you're you just have to accept that you're going to miss, like, 90... 9.9.9 you know whatever like percent of like everything else that's going on in the world other than your little slice of existence that you have for how many ever years and then that's it yeah you brought up yeah yeah you brought you brought you the, yeah like the second Tilda Swinton goes to an audio engineer to try to recreate that sound we heard at the start and there's subtitles I'm like, Richie, here's popcorn. <laughs> Look away from the screen. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> when I woke up, too. I, I fell asleep for, like, two seconds. See, uh, Patrick helped me at the right time. <laughs> see, that that's, like, yet another thing I want to... That I was talking to both of you about, like, earlier, like, with, as far as, like, the sleep uh, aspect to, to it. Um, uh, Joe... He, this filmmaker also goes by Joe, so I'm just going to refer to him as, like, Joe during the the rest of this episode. Joe <laughs> but uh the thing about like joe's movies is that he does this very unique way of capturing time like similar in a way to the transcendental cinema you know the likes of tarkovsky of um uh like any anyone in oh, uh, like um oh god who's the guy who did first reformed oh, uh, Mishima. Yeah, yeah paul schrader and then uh, a few other filmmakers in that same vein um, they have a unique way of like slowing down time and like making sure that you focus on on like the smallest little details and Joe has like a similar way of uh, You know taking this aspect into his own hands the same way like very in a, in a somewhat similar way to Sai Ming Liang um, uh, The movie that I want to compare this one to is a uh, is stray dogs Um that movie is like one giant installation piece. It just holds on to like certain frames for like like 10, 15 minutes. And this movie does it in its own unique way, but with sound and with, you know, opening up the consciousness of environments inside of it to create like this very flowy, this is like, this movie is a dream. Mm -hmm. It's for sure a dream. Um, but I, I wanted to uh, ask you all about this thing, like, um, how do you feel about movies that put you to sleep when you watch them? Like, uh, what what have been your experiences after that? You know, coming out of that. I don't. I don't think I've ever. What do you mean by to sleep? Like, you literally fall asleep, or? Or it just kind of puts you in this very relaxed state to where you find that you're like missing or losing track of time in a way like you zone out or anything like that that definitely happened in this movie and I I loved it but it kept maybe uh it kept giving me that little anxiety that comes along with uh going to sleep that's also present in the film <laughs> but the mini death yeah but I could appreciate it still like I think uh there's a certain sky shot I remember like really just looking at the part of the sky you see through the clouds and I was like oh man I like has this been 10 seconds or has it been a minute I blended this whole part together yeah I thought there was a significant scene that references sleep and 
there is another significant scene that has a bed and I thought that looked really comfy I want to sleep but <laughs> but but on a more serious note though like um, I did feel super relaxed and the film felt very meditative to me um, just the way it was filmed because it's very slow moving lots of long takes um, certainly done in a way that's very purposeful and slow and some people may not like that because you're wondering like if if this scene's gonna pay off anywhere where is the reward like what what, what is this build up and um yeah i don't know i felt like even when i did fall asleep i didn't really feel like i lost anything in the process like i still understand what's going on so yeah, I don't know. That's how I feel about that. Uh, the reason I ask is because um, I noticed that there's a bit of a link between Joe and this one other filmmaker named Abbas Kiarostami, who's an Iranian filmmaker. And they both um, have spoken out, of, or not spoken out, <laughs> They've, they both uh, in like interviews have talked about how some of their favorite movies are the ones that put them to sleep because they end up coming out of like the theater um, you know without giving too much thought to it and then like a few days later it starts to creep up and then a few weeks later then it's that's all they've been thinking about like those end up being so transformative it's like going back to an album that you didn't enjoy the first time around but then you know half year goes by a year goes by whatever and then you put it back on again and then it ends up being like this huge paradigm shift and you're listening. Yeah, when it when it ended, I was like, oh, well, is that two and a half hours? Because maybe I was just so absorbed into like this story about this person trying to find the, the meaning of life or maybe the, I don't know, non-existence of it. I'm not even sure what I even watched, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. I, I thought maybe we were pushing two hours. So I guess it, it ate up a lot of time for me. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel. I feel like I'll either half forget the movie, and then, like, one to remembers will be like a... A great return. <laughs> like, oh man, that did happen. I did see that movie. Or it'll be like a constant one that can always pull up in my mind. But I don't know. I, it it definitely stuck with me. It's I, easily best picture of the year so far. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I agree. <laughs> definitely worth my money, I felt like, afterwards. Um, especially if you use a student discount. Cause that's what I did. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, do you still have your student ID? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you get like two dollars and fifty cents off. That's a lot of money, actually. <laughs> that's one eighth of a popcorn. <laughs> yeah, those popcorn sizes that they had were like, Pat, you got wait, would you get like a medium? I got the biggest one. Oh, they you had. got the biggest. Oh wow. To me, I was like, okay, I'll probably get like a size smaller than that one. So I'm like, oh, just give me the small. It's like this little <laughs> tiny ass bag for six fifty. No, it's not worth it, Kevin. No. <laughs> It was a matchbox of popcorn. <laughs> Trust me, I used to work there. I'm like, just share a large. You can share a large with three people. 
shouldn't yeah. have done that. I know when you, when you came up with a bag, I was like, come on, man, I got a, little, I got a big thing right here. <laughs> See, but with me, I when I get popcorn, I go to town on, on it. <laughs> and I also, like, one thing that I've noticed, too, is I've lately I've been going to the theaters a lot more. Um, and I always do this thing where I don't check it out right away, but I wait until, like, the last week that it plays, and then I go. Because I... I love the theater experience, but I hate being around other theater people <laughs> because or other audience members because like it, it's always like this one person mm. who's just like tapping away or something or they're like eating like a <laughs> cracking open a bag of like chips or something. Like. So my thing's like when uh when the big plot reveal happens and then someone's like oh I knew it like a minute ago I was like, yeah. <laughs> Try 30 minutes ago over here, buddy. <laughs> Just flexing on him. Yeah, that's my only overriding desire. <laughs> when it's crowded, crowded. <laughs> I'm smarter than you, okay? <laughs> but yeah, I, I love going when it's like empty, though. That's like my favorite thing. Or when there's like a few other people in it, I'm like, yeah, these people know the strategy. So I like a cool handful. Mm -hmm. I, I went and saw a DBZ movie completely alone. <laughs> I felt like a huge nerd. <laughs> I kind of like seeing what kinds of people go to these sort of movies. Um, but that's me, that's me personally. I like to sit at the edge in like the mid row but like at the edge just so, just so that I don't, I don't like I can avoid people or I can mm -hmm. avoid like walking through people um so as long as I have that then I feel like I'm totally fine in my space nobody usually sits there so. same yeah. yeah um I do want to add though that I like the fact that Tilda Swinton executively produced the movie as well so she definitely had um I'm sure she had prior knowledge as to how this film is being released, and um, dude, I can't imagine like them making their money back doing that though. It's it's crazy. It's like a losing endeavor, and I wonder. Yeah, I mean, Tilda Swinton is a. I'm sure she's an incredible actress. She's intelligent. I'm sure. Like being like, man, I just kept thinking about that the whole time. Like, wow, she killed it in this movie. But like, how will she get people to see it? It was a labor of love. It was purely for the art of it. And that was like, I mean, it, it can either like come off insanely pretentious to people or there will be some people that it resonates with. Um, I think that, uh, well, I, I was listening to an interview between uh, Joe, well, with Joe and Tilda Swinton at like a film festival. I think it was the New York Film Festival. Yeah. Um, and they were saying how they had been wanting to work together for like easily over like 10 years and each year they would just layer add uh, a layer of layer or layers of uh, elements to the story itself and like how they both wanted to um go into a territory that was completely unfamiliar to them and joe was also talking about this uh, phenomenon that he had called exploding head syndrome which is, it usually occurs like during the onset of sleep where uh, there's like some type of, um, inside of like uh, your, your ears, there, there's these cells that uh, release all of their like pent up energy at one time. So it sounds like a, just a massive like banging sound, like somebody dropped something. 
and it scares the shit out of people when they have that. Like, you can either have that phenomenon, or you have, like, a flashing light. It's any type of, like, auditory or visual... They're, they're all, it's mainly auditory, but there has been known to have some visual hallucinations to it. And I know for myself, um, I sometimes have, like, flashing lights go off in my eyes, like, when I'm, like, about to fall asleep. Like, it's a giant, like, white light that just appears for, like, a split second. And, it, and so I was like, whoa, so it, I, like I, I listened to this before the movie and I didn't listen too much because I didn't want to spoil. And I'm like, oh my God, like I, it's so crazy to like see people exploring like these kinds of like concepts of like mental hallucinations in movies, but taking it to just really over the top. Well, not over the top, but just really hitting home or hitting hard with it. And the sound design in this movie was un, unreal. It was uh, the the only other movie that I can think of off the top of my head where it just nails the sound design is Eraserhead. Yeah, yeah I heard I heard David Lynch worked on Eraserhead for like I think almost a decade. Uh, yeah, you were saying Pat? I was say yeah, that has it's the second strongest sound design of any creator I've heard, and it really. Uh, yeah, it made me think of the, uh, the like the, uh, the philosophy of the long shot. It makes you take in the emotion and the scene as a physical place, then a quick then quick cuts allow you to. And I remember thinking, like, oh, they're doing like they're they're integrating sound to help drag out that uh, presence you feel from the, the places and the scenes, and it's it's legitimately hypnotizing a little bit. Right, even like the the idea of watching someone like scrape fish or even like hearing that, it's kind of like it's kind of soothing, you know, like mm-hmm. music, really. Mm-hmm. Like watching this movie is like what Kevin said earlier, like listening to an album as well, and that's how I feel about a lot of these scenes when before she moves on to the next thing. Um, Tilda Swinton's character, I think Jessica, right, mm-hmm. is her name. Yeah, before. Um, so Jessica's like almost going on this sort of odyssey and meeting these um, profound characters that you're gonna remember um, afterwards, and whether or not like you'll see them again, you know, like you kind of wonder about that. At least I did. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, should we get into spoilers? Are we in spoilers? Go do our ratings. Oh yeah, we do have to do our ratings. Um, I can go first. By your time. Five out of five. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, it took us a lot of episodes. But we finally got a film with a red-haired character. It's protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> and that really pushed it over for me. Nice. <laughs> but no, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's extremely powerful and inspirational and... Uh, it gave me three good crises, <laughs> which uh, it's what art is supposed to do, I believe. I want to be a better person for a multiple reason, multiple ways now, and this film's giving me a little fire in my belly about that. Uh, I'll give it my rating. Um, I want to give it a 3.5. I feel like I let myself down watching this movie because... 
I just didn't realize how tired or sleepy I was already gonna be beforehand. <laughs> and the fact that I had no idea what the movies was gonna be about, I'm like, oh, I got this, I'll give it a shot. Like, no worries, like, I got this. And then as soon as like I walked in, we had the five minute like short film of stills and I'm like, all right, I got the energy for this. I'm focusing, I'm focusing. And then like, as soon as the movie starts, I'm like falling asleep. But not, that's not because of the movie itself, I don't think. I think it had a long it, it day. Could, it could be also like just Maybe the movie bit. too. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah, those times where like my eyes are getting heavy, but yeah. I was like, oh, I'll sleep good tonight. Yeah, yeah. Like relaxing. Yeah. But after for a while after that, like I stopped falling asleep and I, I got more engaged with the film, and um, yeah, Tilda Swinton I think is one of her like best performances, and it's in such a like a quiet um, performance. I felt she usually plays like audacious characters, at least the the, the roles that I remember her for. Um, but we did see her in um, We Need to Talk About Kevin. And that, I feel like that performance is kind of similar in terms of emotions that she portrays here. Um, so yeah, she did really great. And um, yeah, be- really beautiful shots in the film. Like, really felt like I was there. Um, like, in that space and just seeing so, like how lush the um, location was and yeah I'm really a big fan of seeing a lot of that all the greens and um, yeah like like you guys have mentioned the sound design was really strong it kept me in the film for sure because of that sound when that sound came up like sometimes it was like shocking and surprising and other times you kind of maybe expected it and now it's just a part of like that repetition that's gonna that's gonna keep happening and is that to you whether or not you're annoyed by it? And um, it definitely made me think about like, dang, if I kept hearing this sound, dude, I'd be depressed. I'd like want to kill myself. Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. Um, so I don't know. It felt like to me the antithesis and the antithesis of a horror movie um, that that just spun it around on its head. And yeah, I, I definitely need more time to. Um, you think about this film and yeah, who knows I, I want to check out his work now and to see if that enriches like my take on it after so yeah I needed to think back on the previous movies that I've seen by this filmmaker compare my rating to it and I have to say this is probably his strong in line to be one of his strongest works yet and for that reason alone I gotta give it a 5 out of 5. Um, Joe is easily one of my favorite working filmmakers right now. I think his voice is incredibly unique and the poetry of this movie alone it has this very strange ghostly quality to it. Like a very otherworldly, serene, tranquil um, very at one with nature it, it, it's like a living breathing or like collective organism in this movie much like a lot of his other work too um and i feel uh i was telling richie earlier um it was strange seeing or you know experiencing this movie in uh, you know, being able to understand it for the most part in my native language, you know, that I'm completely fluent in. 
uh, which is English, obviously, but like, it, it's so different than what I imagine it sounds like uh, when he was making movies back in his in his homeland of uh, Thailand. And I um, was doing some research earlier today because I've been wanting to find some uh, some books in like a proper translation. Because like that's always one of my biggest worries whenever I read a book, um, a foreign book, I should say where I am gonna be missing some of the original essence of it. Like, cause with Nietzsche, that's like a huge thing. Uh, you have to make sure you get a like, though this one translator is so much better, does like whatever. And so it got me thinking about this movie and I felt, it was like the opposite effect that I had because earlier I felt so much anxiety trying to track down the proper translation compared to this one. Where it's like, oh, I can finally like really appreciate the the subtleties of his of his dialogue and his writing and it's all so simplistic but so poetic the the prose of it alone is just so eloquent and subdued but also very quietly powerful at the same time and just rich and vibrant with like such a swirling sense of emotion and, and all of these other entanglements and i God, I love this movie. I, <laughs> I, I, when I first heard about it, I want to say a few years ago, um, I was like, oh my god, I, I, I gotta catch this movie once it hits the theaters, and um, I'm so glad that I got to make it <laughs> to it being released, because this has easily been one of my favorite movie theater experiences, and to be able to like share it with both of you, like that is, that's amazing to me because. I, I feel like I've talked about this filmmaker a lot uh, throughout the duration of our of our podcast, um, and I'm just really glad that this is like the first introduction that both of you have had to his work, and I highly encourage going back uh, and checking out some of his earlier pieces. Um, the mo the one that he broke out with originally was uh, Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, which is about. Um, uh, a farmer who believes that he can recall once again all of his past lives, and it deals with like these sort of uh, otherworldly creatures who they. Uh, Pat, we were talking about this after we saw Northman about mm. the idea of like looking silly uh, when it comes to like your stage or w when it comes to your craft, like being able to not make it entirely like realistic or like. It's 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 better to put the effort in and have something that you've made versus the sterile Hollywood. Maybe maybe was that the context? Yeah, because like if if this was like a, a conventional Hollywood film, like a big studio had made Uncle Boon Me. Uh, because if this had been a, a big Hollywood studio, I feel like there might have been a larger role of VFX or like any other type of uh thing to I guess like obscure it and make it more hyper realistic because I feel like that's a, tr a growing trend lately is to make things as like refined and sharp and unobscured as possible in order it's just uncanny at times I don't like it but um with this movie it and well not with this movie but with like one of his other movies uh called Cemetery of Splendor it deals with um these soldiers who are sleeping or they, they have like this weird illness where it causes them to constantly sleep for like 20 
to 22 hours a day and they're all at this hospital sleeping and they have volunteers who come by and like look after them you know like uh, bathe them like make sure they're like there's enough nutrients getting into them and everything and they're viewed as it's viewed as like this holy this very holy place very spiritual place and in it the main character uh tries tracking down a medium to you know speak with the with past spirits and stuff and she ends up uh, i'm sorry i'm lightly spoiling this but it's it's just amazing um the way that the medium <laughs> is able to convey the sense that there's somebody else channeling their spirit through this mm. this vessel it's like one of the most simplistic ways I've ever seen that captured on film. And it's so amazing. It just completely sells the illusion that it's literally just somebody pretending to be another person, but it comes off so well. Like in the movie, the character isn't pretending. She is a medium and can transmute all of these spiritual factors. And with this movie, it has like such a haunting feeling where any sort of like, uh, I don't know. I'm talking too too much. Yeah, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kevin. Um, no, there are times in this movie where I actually felt like I was like, is that person really like that, or like, can they really do that? It really made me believe like that's what they can do. Um, yeah, I mean, we're in spoilers, right? Yes, this so. is officially uh, spoiler territory. So if you want to see this movie you have to go to a theater at least in the u.s you have to get a time machine and <laughs> make it to theaters yeah. like like there's a scene where people are just reacting to a band playing music and you're just watching their reactions and it really feels like you are like the audience like or that that's their real reaction when they're watching and then you actually see the band perform and you're like that's actually a real band like can you call them actors or are they or both, you know, musician, actor, they're they're actually playing music or really felt like that. I love the uh, simple, I think Kevin, you were talking about with the other film with the, uh, how a medium communes through the, through the spirits. Uh, yeah, this film felt like a perfect intertwined of like, you can read it three different ways, four different ways. Like, oh, this, is it literal? Is it all hallucinations? Okay, is some of it real, but the rest is hallucinations. Uh, and, but yeah, in the end, it doesn't matter fully because you just pick the one you like most. And uh, yeah, I love that. I love how uh, subdued Tilda Swinton is. I love uh, the uh, some of the deadpan humor, like when she just tells her sister was recently out of the hospital, like, oh, I'm, I'm going crazy. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and just takes a big bite of her. I, I forget what she's eating. It's like a cookie or something. Yeah. She, oh, she yeah. just like licks her fingers, like. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing stuff. I'm, I didn't, I met someone, but no one says they're, no one can tell me that person was real and I can't find them. <laughs> she's just like, yeah, I think I'm going crazy. And so she's like, oh, we're all going crazy. Or I am too. So I'm, I'm just gonna read the synopsis really quick. Like we should, I should, probably should have done this at the beginning, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, I'm a Scottish orchid farmer visiting her ill sister in Bogota, Colombia, befriends a young musician and a French archaeologist in charge of monitoring a century-long construction project to tunnel through the Andes mountain range. 
Each night, she is bothered by increasingly loud bangs, which prevent her from getting any sleep. That's high and away the best friend she makes along the way. But yeah, I love the, uh, I was just sitting there. After that first bang in my existential crisis, <laughs> there was a good second one with the college core. Not college core, but like the college feeling of at the National University. It was great to just see well, such... People, like musicians like in their uh, performance or just, rooms? Or... or just the architecture. Like, oh, that's, that's college. That's what college is like. And it gave me a little thing of like, oh... I remember my time at college, and I felt like Tilda Swinton, like in that gallery, like, oh, am I allowed to be here? Am I sure I'm allowed to be here? And then the light turns off. And yeah, she's <laughs> like, oh, okay, I'll kind of leave, and all the other stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like a great, and as well as just like the whole city. It's, uh, you start off in the city, and it's just, it's a rousing endorsement that makes me want to go to Columbia <laughs> so bad now. It looks, uh... It looks like reality, and I feel like my life now isn't as real as what he's able to <laughs> create in that reality. Then I was having the crisis, like, there's not a lot of phones present. I'm like, oh, it's people living life. Like, oh, damn. You see, like, everyone in the cafes just talking to each other. Yes. A lot of, yeah, a lot of promising people moving and shaking. I just loved how it captured that feeling. And it's something completely different feeling at the start that her sister's in the hospital uh, there's references to curses and uh, maybe her leaving the dog to die or at the hands of the vet without following through it's like this is her comeuppance for that it's a great little yeah it's just yeah yeah thinking back a lot happened <laughs> but there's not a lot of like 12 cuts <laughs> hammered together in five seconds to communicate anything. Yeah, there aren't any montages or anything to like speed up time. Like there, you really feel like you're in that moment, like that it's happening in real time. Um, yeah, totally bizarre movie for sure. Like you mentioned the dog stuff. I'm like wondering like about this interaction. It was kind of funny, but like I was a bit confused. Like, wait, what's going on? I'm like these, I, I just love the random moments in which it is just totally bizarre or absurd or like a person just lying down to sleep on command but then like they have their eyes open or you're wondering like oh what they're they're, de they're dead or something and and it made me wonder like can people actually do this like i i thought to myself like can people do this like what it, it but, sold me on it when yeah. he did that and i was like okay i'm ready for whatever spiritual <laughs> stuff he's right. gonna tell me <laughs> Which is why I say you gotta go back and check out some of his other films, because there's like much more presence of that kind of like element in certain movies, where it just completely suspends your disbelief. And like I, I've talked about it a bit for, before, but like with um, movies have always been one of my greatest uh, outlets in, in terms of just like engaging with the world, and. After being in media production, my like in high school, the first warning that I got was, you know, if you love movies, this is gonna completely ruin them for you. And I've like held on to that. Like I still think about that from like every time I watch a movie, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I am I ruining it for myself or am I gonna like get back that feeling that I had when I was completely unaware of that notion at all? 
And this movie made me forget. And that's how I know it's a 5 out of 5. Um, and, I don't know, there's, like, the, the, the movie is just, like, so at one with nature as well. Because, mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, we're, like, gonna bounce back and forth, like, in between scenes, because that's just how we roll. But, like, mm -hmm. the, the sequence with, with Hernan was one of my favorite moments. Like, that and, and the band scene, like you mentioned, Richie, that... Have, oh, I love the way that they that he captured just the reactions of them. It's like the movie feels like an installation piece, and he has a background as well as like he, Joe has a uh, has done that a bit as well, creating installation pieces with like video art and like certain museums and stuff, and it's crazy to see how his background in filmmaking like blends into that as well. Uh, like I said, it's very similar to Siming Liang in like creating these installation pieces for the viewers to just sit in and have like emotions wash over them. It's like it's 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 almost like a strange juxtaposition because you know like with juxtaposition, you know, with the invention of editing, you know, there's, there's that famous experiment of um, who's that film? Kusilov. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Where he uh, shows the person is it eating the soup? Or no, it's it's the person uh, staring into the camera, and yeah. then it shows like soup, and then it shows like something else. So soup, soup, a uh, dead child, or a child sleeping. Yeah. And then a third thing, and then yeah. Yeah, and it's like because of the cut, you're getting the juxtaposition of like these different kinds of emotions being paired together, whereas when you're just allowed to sit inside of a scene, and like you mentioned with the sound. Uh, being such a major proponent of it, along with like the actors who are just kind of existing in the space, it creates this strange illusion that you two are being absorbed into this environment that's being presented to you in this dark room where there's no other sensory information. And you just have all these sounds like whizzing by your ear, like you hear the cicadas in the background, like creeping up and then they die out and then the howler monkeys, mm -hmm. uh, and, he's like, and then Hernan is like, oh yeah, you can tell, like I've lived here my entire life and these, the head or the leader of this howler, howler monkey uh, pack is completely unhappy because he wants to leave, but nobody else wants to leave. And you hear them all like combating with each other. It's just such a, you feel like you're there and it's such a cliche thing to say, but to me, that is just immersion at its finest. And the only way it could be improved upon is if you had some of the other sensa sensations in there. Like for instance, like smell, which would, if like I know that's a bit weird to think about, yeah. but if you had like the scent of like dew in that scene. It's, it's the only thing missing is- Or like the river water, yeah. like anything. The smells, the faint smells and then the air change of like, oh, if they're near mm. the creek, you want a little moist breeze hitting you, a little, yeah. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, you're there. Yeah. Well, that's why uh, Avatar 2 is coming out this year. Oh boy. We're really gonna feel like we're in Pandora. <laughs> James Cameron is gonna save movies. <laughs> yes, he is. He, he, he's coming out. He's, he, he did it back then with uh, Aliens. Didn't he do, uh, oh no, he did, a yeah, Aliens. And then didn't he do uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day? Yeah. yeah, he did Terminator 2. True Lies, Titanic. He, he's he been saving movies. Yeah. He's, he's, he did Avatar at the height of the uh, War on Terror. Oh my. I still, I'll still stand for that. Damn, that was like 13 years ago. That's crazy. He's coming back. I There's mean, another war. 
<laughs> say there there is. Yeah, hopefully. There, there, hopefully no. Hopefully his uh his message is about stopping the uh I think it's be more about the uh human condition mm-hmm. than war, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to solve that. I think yeah. this film ecological <laughs> crisis. Yeah. I think mm. this film touches a lot. It definitely does. On mm. the history of the nation Colombia, which is a rich uh, has a very rich history prior to colonialization as well as post and even modern. I think uh, even recently there was the armistice between the rebels and the current recognized government, which I think that war was in the 80s. And I think 2016, 15 maybe, 17, they finally agreed to ease tensions. Like it's been going on longer than I've been alive. And it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so insightful to get a film that can take you there. And it makes me deeply want to go visit there now. It looks so beautiful. And it's cool that you bring that up, Pat, too, because there's a very early scene, you know, right after the, the sound is introduced, uh, Jessica's walking down the street, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's this giant bang that happens, and you start to think, oh, is this the noise that, you know, she's been hearing that's been haunting her? But it's like, no, everyone else actually heard it. This wasn't a hallucination. Mm-hmm. And then you see the one guy, you know, drop to the floor immediately, thinking yeah. that he's about to get gunned down. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you, it, it definitely comments on, on those kinds of, like, tensions, like, especially with, like, gang violence there. And, like, all these other factors. Yeah, there's that. There's the... the whole time I was sitting there I was like I wish I could travel <laughs> like Tilda Swinton's character Jessica I'm not a rich orchard farmer or at least well off orchard farmer but just so appealing without the negative aspects it feels yeah it makes me feel like I've missed out on traveling and it makes me want to travel a lot more and yeah it's just but again like you can see stuff as beautiful in our own area Maybe I should look out more. But yeah, it's just, yeah, the film, so much things happened. I'm sitting here having a crisis about that, too. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I need to travel. I need to start, I need to stop looking at my phone. <laughs> I need to start hearing the banging noise. <laughs> I need to... Hey, I love the, the commentary about how um, Hernan, his character doesn't even, like, watch TV. And Jessica says, well, I mean, you're missing out on a lot of things, like, you know, like sports or news or, you know, Miss Universe or something. It's like what you mentioned earlier, Kevin, about FOMO and like the fear of missing out. And I just love the fact that his character, like he didn't, he doesn't have a care for those kind of things. He's okay with like, you know, scrubbing fish and um, yeah, just living on this land, like living just his sort of life that, you know, is not, um, traditional to how we live in the modern age and like yeah we most people would be on their phones probably or you know taking a picture of him playing I don't know playing dead or something like hey this is me and Hernan he's dead you know <laughs> like and then he gets back up and yeah that was such a powerful moment though when he when he wakes up and um, and she asks him um, how did it feel like and yeah, that was just a that was I, I love that moment. That's like probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. 
the third crisis <laughs> when he just dies briefly. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, it's nothing. That's what it is before and after. I was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, where she's like talking about dreams and everything, mm-hmm. and she's yeah. like, oh, well, you mean tell me that you don't dream? Like, can you actually like, teach me how to sleep? And then he just goes down there, and he's like right. such an expert at it that it doesn't even phase him to like close his eyes, and he falls asleep in seconds. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell that he is just so at peace. And if there was ever a, I mean, at times I even thought of this character as being like an android in a way, as like being like <laughs> they're the next iteration of like humankind, but in a deeply spiritual way. And without the need of, like, this sci-fi intervention. Mm -hmm. But it is sci-fi in that way, in a strange way. Because he talks about himself being a human computer. Of just storing, like, of being able to remember every single moment in his life. And how he just takes a few seconds to access his internal hard drive to grasp certain memories. It reminds me of, like, the notion of a Mentat. Which, you know, they're purely analytical and, like, data-driven and information is is their existence basically um but this character like had me thinking about like characters like data or uh, like in in uh, star trek and like a few other characters like in in alien as well about just people's perception of like this almost machine-like creature but they're more human than human in a way so i, I took it as him leaving his body like he's so in touch with the uh, nature and everything outside yeah. of his body, he just lays down and just briefly pieces out and goes somewhere he can't remember when he wakes up. I'm like, oh, it's, yeah, it's always like I was so ready for him to be a spiritual leader or have a the deep moment we have with him. Well, it's also like you bring up a really good point with that because like he is able to just immediately like get in tune with it and it's almost like geometric in a way because the universe is. is, is profoundly geometric and with mathematics and everything and this character is just like so information driven that it just immediately like interlocks his own existence with Mm -hmm. the giant web of the universe to just like dip out of it and be one with it to where he doesn't remember anything and then he just opens his eyes and then time has passed but also being able to like go anywhere at any point in his lifetime it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that last, that whole last moment with the two, uh, really powerful. It feels like the whole film was inadvertent, not inadvertently, but it gives the film such a payoff that I did not expect at all from the first like two hours. I thought it was gonna be like just abruptly end or something would happen and then it abruptly end. But no, this is great moment put in terms of oh, I'm I'm the hard drive you're the antenna and then she was just trying to pick up on the signal yeah. get or closer she, to it yeah. or she's just, she's just she's constantly bombarded which I think is why I relate more to Tilda Swinton's character of like yeah I feel that feels like a more modern existence of like we're, we're bombarded constantly with information this that and the other we feel like we're losing our mental stability because of it and we're feeling alien outside of our bodies and it's great to see Hernan who's like so in, so human and so in touch with nature he's like literally one with nature and uh Tilda Swinton's character is like uniquely outside of nature it seems or uniquely receptive to incoming information and they come together 
And yeah, they just they hold hands essentially <laughs> at the at the moment of climax. I was like, wow, this is. The more I think about that, the more I appreciate that moment. How it just feeds back to everything else. Yeah, yeah. I, told, I think I told Patrick earlier, but I, I felt like the ending kind of reminded me of um, Under the Skin and how that movie ended. That kind of, I kind of felt similar the first time I saw that movie. Um, and just how, how it ended, I'm just like, wow, that was the ending? Like, whoa. Uh, I didn't even anticipate the moving ending there. Uh, with, yeah, like I was like, wow, that. Really I was really cool, surprised. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, with the spaceship and yeah, that portal in the sky and stuff. I was like, I was taken aback by that, and I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that was crazy. Um, Man, I don't know. I don't know what to say right now. I'm kind of like... Just still mulling it over? Yeah. The hints were there. I like the Hernan's like, hey, we're, we're both from the stars. I was like, oh, is he talking, you know, at an atomic level? Or is he talking spiritually? Our souls can leave the mortal plane and go to the stars and there's a source there out there? Or is it literally aliens? <laughs> kind of all those things at once. I love the way he put that too, because she asked him, oh, well, do you remember what it was like before you were born? It's like, oh, well, we were in the stars, and then I focused in on two lovers, and suddenly I was born. And that's just such a beautifully cosmic image to imagine. And his, yeah, his memory's so good. He, he remembers before conception, but he remembers two people came together to conceive. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have, like, the moment that just is, where you're, you are a part of the giant collective of life as we know it in the universe, and it suddenly constellates into this very fragmented corner pocket for you to basically exist and live out your life and do with it what you will, and then you return from whence you came. And I find that so deeply beautiful and just so... It's, it's so soothing to me. And it makes it, it makes it tranquil to me to think about my own mortality. Because um, I feel like as I'm... I feel like I've had this, uh, this inner argument with myself since I was a teenager, like early teens, uh, when I was first like facing like with uh, my own personal experiences with death in my life and how, you know, eventually we're all go going to die one day. That's like the one truth that we're guaranteed in life is that it will end. Um, and I've tried figuring out like how I'm going to approach it once I do get to that point because it could happen at any moment in our in any of our lives and I've tried like reading up on it I've tried like journaling about it I've tried like all these other things and the one thing that sort of really stuck uh, stuck with me was reading Seneca and uh, the on the shortness of life and he has this one section where he talks about people's anxieties towards death um, and how he he kind of relates it to you know he, he has like this uh, exchange with his uh, 
with this student um, where he's trying to like quell their anxieties and he says well what was it like when you close what was it like before you were born like can you remember that and then the person's like oh well I don't remember anything it, I, it's just nothing it's like yeah like you open your eyes and then you you're living and then you go back to that uh, at the end of it all and he didn't say it quite like that it was much more poetic and much more like beautifully phrased but um, it really stuck with me because it took a lot of pressure off of my own shoulders in my own existence uh, you know I'm constantly like worrying about the other the concept of that because it's like what with what Hernan is saying is that we are a part of like this giant bubble and then through the splitting and through the fragmented oh there's a plane going by um with the splitting off of the self from the collective you introduce a whole myriad of uh, complexes and consequences and ailments and like illnesses like you're you're pretty much subject to death <laughs> and uh, I love that Hernan is just able to experience many deaths every single day which is the idea of sleeping because sleep is the as Nas put it sleep is the, is the cousin of death um, uh, and I just find that to be so tranquil, you know? We return back to the stars. Yeah, it did... It did make me sad, though, that, uh... When Jessica asked Hernan if he remembered his dreams, and he says he doesn't do that, or his kind doesn't do that. Um... I was kind of hoping, like, when he did fall asleep, like, he would, we would wake up and he would be like, Oh yeah, I finally had a dream or something, because... Um, I remember the, the, the log line at the beginning of the film was something about um, how in order to escape reality is to dream or something like that. I don't know if that's like the, the exact quote, but um, yeah, I just like the idea of like being able to dream and how that's important to you or, or maybe, being, maybe dreaming is experiencing death or something. I don't know. I don't know what uh, he's trying to say about that. Um, but this film definitely eased my mind on the idea of death. I've definitely like um, been able to kind of wash over that over other um, films and TV shows, you know, like like Donnie Darko or like um, obviously the OA. We just did that. Like that, those are things that like kind of reassure me about like my own life or like or even if I'm not going to continue this life maybe it'll continue elsewhere or maybe it'll just be that it'll end and i'll be okay you know because when he died and came back like he felt fine and i just feel like yeah maybe after that it, you, there's no more worries and i don't know yeah not me <laughs> <laughs> it brought up that whole yeah existential <laughs> crisis <laughs> Yeah, I'm a. Yeah, I'm not gonna overcome man. I'll I'll overcome death. <laughs> That's my plan. The timeless fight. <laughs> the, yeah. The Patrick, father, time is undefeated, man. 
If anyone, if anyone will win, it'll be Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just refuse until it happens. <laughs> so that's probably my plan. And then you'll deny it ever did happen. No, yeah, yeah. Prove it did. I'm gone. <laughs> but yeah, the the I'm glad that you brought up uh, Under the Skin, Rishi, because th- that's one of those movies that I still reflect on. Like it's probably been two years since I've last seen that movie, but I still think about it at least like once a month or like multiple times a month just for the pure atmosphere of it and i i find that those movies are the ones that tend to stick with me the most are the ones where i can immerse myself entirely in the atmosphere of it to remember the experience to remember the impression that it left on me rather than the finer details the the director of that movie i think is jonathan glazer mm-hmm and he did another film that I really want to see with, with Nicole Kidman about how, um, I guess her husband died, but then her husband supposedly exists in this like 10 year old who walks up to her at a party and says, hey, I'm your husband. And like, he knows all these details that like only she or her husband would know. And it's just like, wait, what? That's crazy. You know, <laughs> right? The whole idea of like the self and just like merging yourself in another thing. I don't know. It's, yeah, it like, sounded like a really crazy idea. Like the transference of consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's also very reminiscent of Ghost in the Shell, of being able to unplug from your ghost and <laughs> go into another vessel. That's so like, it's so sad though. Like imagine like the love of your life died, but then like they came back as like a doll or something. Hey, it's me. Like, you know, you're gonna love me forever, right? It's, it's kind of like... That's better than a 10-year-old. I wonder where that 10-year-old's conscious went. Is, is he... I, I need to look up this movie, because I really want to watch it now. Is the but, twist like... he's a villain? <laughs> Unless he's reincarnated as the 10-year-old, or as a baby that grows into the 10-year-old and just remembers. There's some nefarious undertones. <laughs> oh, the movie's called Birth. Okay. So yeah. I assume someone's born. <laughs> But uh, Under the Skin has been a movie that I've, when, whenever it's gotten around to be my turn, that was that's always been one that's floated up to the top. It's like, uh, maybe I'll choose this one, but it's still in the back pocket. I still haven't seen it. That and uh, Betty Blue are two ones that always come up for me. I'm like, mm, maybe I'll pick them. Never seen that one either. You should save them, Pat. Okay, I'll save wait until the pod. <laughs> just, going in, just go into them cold. Well, as cold as you can. I know Scarlett Johansson. I think it's her best role. Is that her breakout one or is that Lost in Translation? I think Lost in Translation was. But yeah. This movie. Beautiful. So much art. So many art stills, it feels like. So many just perfect framing. Cinematography is amazing. Yeah, I think if you're going to experience this movie, I think. It's definitely worth the um, theater experience for sure because I think watching at home would definitely kind of taint how you would view it in a way and yeah I'm glad that we were able to watch on like such a big screen and, and with like really great sound too because the sound is so important in this film that like you really yeah you feel like you're there like that you're gonna like fall asleep and you know, right where Hernan was sleeping. Like it's like, wow, I felt really comfortable. Yeah, he just fell asleep right in the grass, <laughs> right. like right in the overgrowth, and you could see all the flies on him and mm-hmm. like all these bugs buzzing around. <laughs> but yeah, the start, I was like, damn, that sounds nice. 
in the warm sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, really good. This movie, like, I, I've already had, like, this incessant need to go back out into solitude and, like, it just let all of my worries and all of my daily thoughts just like flood or flood out of me and into like a river somewhere where I can just like sit in front of it for like hours and just stare into it and just you know try and uh get onto the same wavelength as nature is because once you do it is just so serene and it's an it's it's almost intoxicating because it's just so much all at once like there's so much going around all of us at all the time and like Whenever I, I have this common occurrence whenever I go camping where I start to look at trees as in, in like a very different way because they, they look like roots, like reaching up towards the sky and it feels like we're sort of like existing in like this other uh, topsy-turvy universe where as I start coming back into the city, I see fewer and fewer trees. I'm like, oh, I'm no longer near the, near the epicenter of life anymore. And going into a more sterile and calculated environment and then that's when the static starts coming back with like all these like all the overstimulation the overstimulation really gets to me and this and this movie is making me remember how badly I want to go out and get back in nature again yeah I felt like that um cr- had that like existential crisis one day where like I was in the parking lot with a friend and, and we saw this huge tree there and I looked at it and I was like man if that tree wasn't there like it would just change the environment in some way like in, whether it's big or small like the fact that that tree is there is like that's life right there it gives off such an aura and yeah I don't know like people that make fun of tree huggers like that's not cool because trees are very important in life and um yeah, I don't know. The fact that, like, they're getting slaughtered every day. I mean, yeah, now now I feel like I'm the hippie. Like, dang, these trees are my friends. Um, no, but really, though, like, yeah, the whole... Yeah, I just love the, the energy and the vibes that this movie gave off of, like, the, the, the um, journey to find that meaning of life and the meaning of death. And in the end, like, I just like that I came out of it not really feeling um I don't know saddened in a way I just I'm st- yeah I don't know I'm still trying to find what what I felt but like I just like that this movie wasn't about like a race against time of like to stop something or like something crazy is gonna go on or if she doesn't get there like uh, the world is over or something it just yeah I like the simplistic nature of this story and just letting it wash over me and like be- I don't I don't know almost becoming whole after. Yes, I, I definitely agree. Um, this movie is such an amazing exercise in empathy as well, because it you just accept people's mind. Well, you get to see all of the uh, people's unique backgrounds and mindsets like creep into daily conversation, and I feel like. I saw this one article where there's like a study done about how a large majority of people underestimate the amount of uh, significance that could come from a conversation with a stranger. And 
it got me thinking about that in this movie where Jessica's just having, like she goes and befriends a, a sound engineer who goes out of their way to, you know, uh, go through this very revealing, but also kind of confusing conversation of trying to capture a unique sound by putting emotion and metaphor to it as well. And I love the vulnerability that Jessica shows in not being afraid to look silly while describing thing, these things of like, oh, well, it sounds like a giant ball falling into a steel drum on, you know, surrounded by seawater. It's like, that's so just out there. But at the same time, he's like, okay, let me pull up my sound library. Yeah. And then he, he fully re recreates it. And then they become like best friends over the course of like an hour. And there's even like a potential like budding romance there as well. And because you could tell that Jessica is, lives a very solitary life. And even like the opening sequence like showcases that where she goes out into like her kitchen sits there and I've had moments like that too. Like where I like hear something and I like go out and like scout around. I'm like yep, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but like um I don't know. This movie I, I'm already wanting to go and see it again because I, I think that there's another theater around here that's showing it next week. And that's the thing. This movie is you're only gonna be in the U.S. at least from like I said, uh, from what I understand, they it's just gonna pop up in random towns and random theaters for the rest of its life here at least until somebody gets um, the rights and distributes physical stuff. Or puts it online. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. always a... Which I'm... <laughs> There's ever a reason for it. Yes. Say it, Kevin. Say it. What will you do? <laughs> I'm gonna... I, I'm a, I've realized that I'm a human archive as well. Uh, I have so many photos of like all my friends on my phone. Like uh, all this other... And I hardly have any photos of myself. Because <laughs> I'm so enamored with yeah. like the outside world. <laughs> But yeah, this movie's like even as we're like sitting here talking about it, like I know that I probably wouldn't have remembered most of these scenes until like tomorrow or like the next day or whatever. Like especially with the band scene, I'm like, yeah. how did I forget about that? That was like such a magical moment. Right. Yeah. The dog following her. Yes, the dog. And yeah, then and then the stops. dog. And then the dog laying next to her and her sister. Wait, was it her? No, it was yeah. her and the uh, sound engineer on the mm -hmm. bench. Or was it her and her sister on it the her, bench? It was her and her okay. sister. When she's talking about she's going crazy. The mm. dog's content and napping <laughs> next to him. And the, the dinner scene, I believe, I think also with her sister, right? And, mm. and her sister's husband and, and then their, um, their child, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, that scene, like, I, it makes me remember what you were talking about with horror in a way. Like, it's like the antithesis of a horror movie, but... I totally get that. Like, I can't really put a word as to what it is that I understand about it, but I get that this movie is like that because it has like this creeping anxiety that it, it gets into your bones. And because I know during that dinner scene, like where she kept hearing the sound, I was like, okay, this is really, this is really right. bothering me. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like I, John Carpenter's uh, Halloween. You know, when you hear the the cue of the the. the the, the theme music, that's when you know Michael Myers is there, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that kind of reminded me of that, like that repetition of that sound that you're going to hear it again. Um, it's almost like, yeah, the, the film's like signature theme song or something, you know? Oh, um, 
kind of uh, falling into line with what you just said. Uh, in the in that same interview that I mentioned earlier uh, for the New York Film Festival, uh, Tilda Swinton was asked a question as to like how she was able to come up or like I what what her process was like getting into the role of Jessica, and she said something that I at first I, I was kind of like I didn't know how to feel about it, but then. Uh, afterwards, you know, during the movie, I'm like, I totally get what she's talking about. Where she described as, she approaches Jessica not as a character, but as a scenario. Because it's like, here she is, like, dealing with this exploding head syndrome, mm. creeping into her life and kind of feeling robbed of any sort of joy because they just aren't sleeping anymore. And it's like, anyone could have that role. It's it's not a role, it's a, it's a scenario at that point. Because, like, you're going through that same exact thing with them. And I know that we, as an audience member, you do that instinctively uh, with, like, any any piece, really. But with this movie, it, I totally get what she was talking about. And that makes me appreciate it all the more. Yeah. You can empathize and relate with any character, but Tilda Swinton in this one, is, it really hits home. I'm like, oh, man. I, I feel like I walk around like that in public. I feel like I sit like that when I'm debating if I'm mentally unwell and stuff like that. Same. It, it's crazy to see like this this strange form of almost like a like a schizophrenic an anxious and paranoid personality type being put on screen but in like a very scaled back way and it's like imagine the people who go on living their lives with these occurrences and think that maybe it might be a little strange but they never reach out to anyone and talk about it or like get seen for it and because i know that i myself have a lot of anxieties that are very like intrusive at times and like this movie i i definitely empathized with with jessica and oh my god i <laughs> I, I cannot stop i i just love this movie so much i love it oh <laughs> I'm trying to think what other scenes happened that we kind of uh, didn't touch on. We didn't touch on the the human remains found in the tunnel oh, yes, at all. Oh, with, with the drill bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the, uh... I know, right? I like how she was sitting, like, in front of the morgue with all the chairs and stuff. And, and then she, uh, the archaeologist, right, had, like, such an explanation for it, um, like how she lost her key and, and then so they had to block it off with all the chairs and stuff like I was like man that's like quite the scenario like, I like that it all makes sense and yeah because it's, it's, it's absurd at first you're like wait why is she even sitting in front of yeah. she's gonna climb anyway? over the chairs right <laughs> right <laughs> and then she invites her in like that was cool yeah yeah I, I love that aspect of it it's like it, it's that concept of just asking you know, if, if there's something that you're curi- that you're curious about, ask somebody, you know, reach out and say something. Because otherwise it'll just exist within you and it'll also die within you too. And it's like by reaching out that hand, you're allowing yourself in another door. Well, you're allowing another door to possi- of, uh, possibilities to like open to you. And it's something so simple of just being curious about what's inside there. She just asks, hey, is that a morgue? And she's like, yeah, do you want to see it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, I've never been in a morgue before, but now I'm going into one. Yeah, check out this 6,000-year-old skeleton. 
with like a ceremonial hole drilled in the head. Yeah, and it's like, imagine if she didn't ask about that. She would have gone her entire life without ever seeing a 6,000, yeah. or like however yeah. old it was. Like, it's just so, it's like, once again, if a tree falls in a forest, did it really fall? Like, like if you weren't there to witness it. And it's like the magic of spontaneity and being in the right place at the right time. And there's like this, uh, this little saying that I like to repeat to myself, it was from like a, a comedy podcast of all things, but uh, these two friends were talking about like how uh, one was obviously more um, of an introvert and prefers to like stay at home while the other likes to go out more. And the extrovert was like talking about, hey, you know, I like going out and doing these things with you because, you know, once we do, all these strange things tend to happen. And the, and the introverted one was like, yeah, like, whenever it gets to that point, I like to uh, think of this thing that somebody told me where it's like, when you go outside, things happen. And it's so simple, but it's so true. Like, some of my favorite nights or memories of, like, with my friends, it's all been, like, you know, just a very loose set of plans where it's like, hey, we're gonna go here hang out for a little bit and then all of a sudden it just snowballs into this <laughs> incredibly memorable just set of events that I will always hold on to for the rest of my life and like, I feel like the last one that I had was with you all at the last uh, <laughs> after dark episode that we had <laughs> and those those kind of events like happen to me probably like once every two to three months and I'm just always so grateful for when it finally does because it's like, it reminds me that happiness is a byproduct of existing and doing, just trying your best really. And um, it makes me savor it all the more when I am experiencing those moments. Like it lets me know that I'm on the right path, that I'm on the right path, that I've reached a solid milestone in my life. I'm trying to think if there's anything better to end with, but uh, I think we've covered almost everything in the movie, right? And that was a good little... Yeah. I feel like you just summarized the whole movie. If she didn't go to check on her sister, she wouldn't hear the sound, she wouldn't go to the college, she wouldn't see the thing, she wouldn't... Mm -hmm. I wouldn't keep evolving. Even like, yeah, I don't, even, I don't even know how she drove out to where her nan lives, but she was just out there. And I love that little tidbit of dialogue that she said where she came out here because she was driven by the noise like to get away from it and then she finds herself wanting more of it because she's no longer afraid of this unknown element that has been introduced into her life. She finds harmony with it and kind of brings it into the fold of her daily existence and now it's yet another sound in the soundtrack of life. Yeah, it's like uh, accepting, you know, that inner flaw in your life. At first, it, it became an interruption. It became, it became a distraction. And I think that she kind of, like, learned how to, like, live with it through just through all these other interactions with these people that will, like, change her life forever. I think she saw Beyond the Veil, even. More than living with it, it was like a... She, uh, it's not Nirvana, but she was definitely enlightened. It's very transcendental for sure. And then yeah, I don't once we see the source of the noise, I don't think we 
we're not with her anymore, right? We just see nope. the movie's ended. Yeah. We see and a soldier, we see some guy hanging out, and then Hernan. I, I, I've been noticing a lot that element in a lot of movies that I've been seeing lately where the story reaches a moment where the movie can no longer go on. Where, like, an element, like a key element is finally reached its conclusion and then it just has a sort of outro, like a tiny one, or it just ends. Um, another movie that I saw recently that I'm thinking I might try it, like, whenever it gets to be around my time, I really want to share it with you all. It's called Sweat. I don't think I've ever heard that. Um, let me bring up the synopsis for it really quick. Um, so that's that's gonna be yet another one that's in the back pocket for me, but it is it was created in 2020 and it was directed by Magnus von Horn, and the tagline is "Who needs friends when you have 600,000 followers?" The synopsis is three days in the life of fitness motivator Sylvia. Uh, whose presence on social media has made her a celebrity. Although she has hundreds of thousands of followers, is surrounded by loyal employees, and admired by acquaintances, she is looking for true intimacy. Oh, Richie, it's on your watch list. Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. Yeah. But it, this movie has, like, one of the greatest endings I've seen in recent memory, and it reminds me of a Claire Denise. Um, oh, gosh, what's the movie? It's a highlight? No, no, no. Say, how's it gonna end like High Life? Oh no, no, it's not like High Life. It's um, yeah, let me pull it up really quick. Uh, Beautravai, mm. which is, it's like a a militaristic musical or like choreographer like dance routine like that's the movie it's <laughs> i'll read the synopsis on that one too um well the tagline for it is maybe freedom begins with remorse the synopsis is foreign legion officer galoop recalls his once glorious life leading troops into the gulf of Djibouti. His existence there was happy, strict, and regimented, but the arrival of a promising young recruit, Sentain, plants the seeds of jealousy in Galip's mind. And it's like a full-on deconstruction of masculinity and military and, like, also uh, colonialism in yeah. South America, in uh, South Africa, <laughs> yeah. And, or, uh. yeah, and, yeah. Um, but, yeah, those two movies, like, they have, like, this phenomenal ending, and because you've seen Perfect Blue, haven't you, Pat? Yeah. Or have you seen Perfect Blue, Richie? No, I haven't, no. Okay, like that, it's like the whole social media deconstruction, and with Sweat, I feel like it would be one of the perfect discussion pieces. Um, I don't know how I got on that topic, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, uh, you were saying Sweat, just uh, it reaches its natural... Oh yeah, it's, it's natural. Climax or conclusion, mm-hmm. and then just like, okay, here's a nice, here's some nice time to think before you have to stand up and leave the theater. Yeah, and this movie does such a beautiful job of doing that as well, even though it like comes out of like left field. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and I love the idea that the spaceship left a, rever- a reverberation, like it was just sort of a. Um, the sound you hear is it leaving. Yeah, like it's basically like just stuck in the sound barrier, and then it also warps memories and like time and space to where anyone who's around it 
potentially is impacted by it. And it's just there for who knows how long. It's probably been there for millions of years. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, yeah. I was really excited when, <laughs> when the spaceship was a spaceship. For a second, I was like, what? Like, what? I, I thought it was like a sleeping dinosaur or something, maybe. <laughs> This is like a rock that's kind of off and like shiny and slick. It's like, ah. but yeah, once it floats, it's like, oh, okay. I, yeah, I didn't think I'd like it as much. If you were to just tell someone that ending, they'd be like, what? It's an alien? It's a spaceship? That's kind of lame. That's kind of out of nowhere. When you see it, it's like, oh, this is perfect. I am so happy. Then you get to see a beautiful sky and some of the characters we passed along. Yeah, I love some of the shots of the clouds and stuff. That was very, like, serene and calming. It's like all is good with the world. It didn't, it didn't seem like very threatening or like menacing. Like, oh my God, aliens, we're gonna die. And it didn't feel that way. So, yeah, that was a very, very touching ending. I think very restorative. Mm -hmm. But um. That said, do any of us have any closing thoughts? I would say definitely see this film if if it comes out in theaters near you. Um, you know, it's it's one of those rare films that like, hey, you might not be able to see it again and, and try to catch it. Um, like even if you end up not liking it, they're like, you can appreciate at least some some parts of the film. You know, um, it has great cinematography. Tilda Swinton is great in it. She executively produced it, so like if you're a fan of hers, like there's a reason why she made this film. It almost as a passion project. So. Yeah, this uh, Epichat Pong We Are Aesthetical's first movie, well, I want to say first feature length outside of Thailand, and definitely a labor of love. Um, didn't have to face as much censorship, which is great. Um, and like just take a look at the poster it, it, it's it just perfectly encapsulates the idea of of just basically water being one with like dreams and like the dream world and fluidity and just fading into and out of consciousness and if, you, if you're a fan of a uh, dreaminess like dreams in general and you want to experience cinema in this kind of heightened version of it definitely check it out if you can uh, once again this is memoria and if you ever want to follow us or anything you can do so at lay film podcast um, on instagram and if you ever want to email us and we'll talk about it even if you just want to like shoot us an email like letting your own letting us know your own thoughts or or uh basically cutting down one of our arguments yeah. do it please because we love reading that stuff put my name in the subject and you will hear something back yes we will definitely reach back out to you <laughs> um and yeah uh with that said i want to thank you all for listening and i'm very glad that you both were able to see this movie with me because it's definitely gonna stay with me for a very long time Thank you for picking it. I probably wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't picked, because it's just so under my radar. And uh, thank you for doing that. And I feel like we have to, we're obliged to try to get Tyler and Abby 
maybe anyone else. <laughs> I think we're obliged to try to force them to catch that next week's viewing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you again for picking this one. I'm glad I went in cold. I think that was the best way to go about seeing this film. And I'm sure by the time anyone has listened to this to this ending part, I should have mentioned it before, but like, yeah, go in seeing it cold. But oh well, you heard everything. But yeah, that's all. All right, everybody, take care. <laughs>